Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock with former NFL scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find this podcast and all the shows here on the network on all of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, we got some news to get into today, Matt, and it is another Mock Draft Monday, and the fine folks at the Draft Network have posted another one this time. It's Kyle Krabs, who was just on the show with us a few weeks ago. We talked a lot of running backs yeah. with Kyle and a few other things, and we had actually talked a little bit that day about the offensive tackle class that is, uh, man, uh, that, that has really showed out and, and really passed every test so far this offseason. It looks like there's going to be a bunch of them going in the top 15. Where the quarterbacks go really has a big impact on the real draft and these mock drafts, a three-rounder thrown out there by Kyle Krabs that we will get into uh, pretty deep, I think, on today's show. But we've got to start with some news around the league. And uh, we have not had a chance to talk about Austin Eckler. He signed just after we did our podcast Friday. Six mil per year, Austin Eckler sticking around with the Los Angeles Chargers. I think it's a great move, Matt. How do you feel about this move? And it pretty much is the precursor to letting Melvin Gordon move on, which I think is the right way for the Chargers to play this. Yeah, and they have Justin Jackson, who I think will be a quality number two sidekick, and maybe they draft a bigger back as well. And, you know, I often say, boy, you know, re-signing backs after their first deal is risky business that I would not partake in nine out of 10 times. But then we've also said, well, what about like when McCaffrey and Kamara come up, you know, the receiver first type guys that are the do it all, I guess. And this is a perfect example to me because first of all, I think Eckler's really, really good. You know, like I, I still think he's underrated, even though everyone's on, on him now. And yeah. I think he's a very, very good football player and was a blast to watch last year. And I also think that, you know, th- these, are, uh, these are smart kind of deals because in football world, not in our listeners in our world, Eckler hasn't made much money. You know, I mean, he doesn't have as much in his bank account that – that first payday, take it now, you know, put a, a big chunk in your bank account. Mrs. Eckler is really happy, you know, I mean, all's well in the Eckler household. And, and I think signing guys that don't have a lot put away already is smart business. And you can usually get them for 90 cents on the dollar for that move because they want money now. And that makes perfect sense, especially at that position. Great receiver who I do think was a little inflated with Rivers checkdowns last year, but no matter who your new quarterback is going to be, he's going to be one of their best friends. You know, I mean, in the receiving game, as well as the running game, you're trying to rebuild the offensive line. And the more I think about it, and we'll get to Kyle's uh, mock here, but I think it was your suggestion saying, what if the Chargers go offensive tackle at six and already have a veteran quarterback in line? And the two names I keep thinking about, and you and I haven't talked about these fits yet, are, what about Cam Newton or Jameis Winston? You know, you also have Tyrod Taylor in the mix. You just made a deal with Carolina. Chargers could call him back up and say, hey, Cam's healthy. Let's put him in this situation behind improved offensive line with great weapons. And I look at Winston and think, I want every Charger on my fantasy team if he's their starting quarterback. <laughs> and, and I kind of yeah, want the defenses that go up against them yes, and get some I of those do. interceptions. Real quick, my logic behind thinking that way from the Chargers is, first of all, that tackle guard deal that we just saw. 
the the wealth of tackles that'll be there at six. And I know they had a bad year and didn't have a good record. And it's also a Charger thing to do. I mean, they would have been twelve and four if they won all their one score games. You know, like they they have lots of big time players, and they're awfully close. And I know that again is a Charger thing to do is lose close games, but. I think I'd be close to win win it now mode as opposed to blow the thing up and draft Herbert or something like that. Tom Brady's still out there too, so I know that that one <laughs> actually. I think you never hear those rumors, but it, that would not be a bad landing spot. Let him run the team. That would be fun. That would be fun. But anyway, Austin Eckler, fantastic signing. I think that's exactly the type of signing that makes sense for a team at running back because. He didn't get paid massive dollars. He's so impactful in the pass game. He's not just a check down guy either. You can split him out and he can do wide receiverish things for you and, and get open in the slot and even catch the ball down the field. So I love Austin Eckler. Great fit. I think it's a good contract for a team to sign a running back to rather than probably Melvin Gordon who's going to make a lot more money, but I don't know if he's more valuable even than, than Eckler. So great move by the Chargers. I like it. We'll see what happens with their quarterback situation. Is it going to be... A draft pick? Is it going to be a free agent? Is it going to be a combination of both? Do they roll with Tyrod Taylor? There's a lot of options there, but um, I, I am warming up to that idea of an offensive tackle early. We'll see how Kyle Krabs feels about it in his mock draft when we get into that in just a minute. A couple of more bits of news coming down here for us on Monday. One is that Tremaine Johnson, cornerback, released by the Jets, and he had a massive contract. It was one of those when he signed it. It's like, hey, this is a good player. I wonder where he's going to go. He gets signed, and you're like, ooh, okay, well, that's a lot of money, and that contract yeah. is not going to end well. And, yeah, that contract did not see uh, nearly the end. It seems like we, we saw – I mean, you and I weren't doing podcasts at the time, but exactly as you said it, I mean, you could almost see the writing on the wall when these were signed and then franchised. And, like, yeah, he's fine, but – you start paying guys like they're, you know, superstar on an island type corners and it doesn't go well. And it just goes back to the Jets problems at the edge pass rushing position through the corners. Like the defense is good up the middle. I mean, maybe if Quinn Williams is in jail or whatever, it might not be. But, you know, the, 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 the peripheral, the outside positions of this Jets defense has been really searching. You could really see it coming with the with his contract. But even aside from Tremaine Johnson, I'm trying to think back. There's obviously some great cornerbacks in the league that can play wherever they go. But it seems like a position that that when when those big time corners change teams, it doesn't always go that well. It's no right. You would think Nom that a guy, awesome. yeah, Namdi Asamoah did not turn out great. There's obviously been some really good ones too, but it's not a slam dunk that a corner is going to play just as well as he did before in a new scheme, just because, you know, he, he was a good cover guy in one. And especially if it's a scheme specific guy, I mean, Deion Sanders is going to play well anywhere. Champ Bailey's going to play where well anywhere after he gets traded, you know, but some players Revis are, did. yeah, Revis, right. It, some players are, though, are, are going to have trouble. And if they're not that true, true shutdown, ridiculous guy, even sometimes if they are in a certain scheme, they might not be in every scheme. So, uh, buyer beware with with cornerbacks and paying big dollars for guys who aren't that true shutdown guy. Which brings us to our next guy. I mean, yeah. Josh Norman now. You know, I mean, um, he just got signed by the Bills. And the Bills have a ton of cap space, and that coaching staff coached him in Carolina. So, really, to your point, they know how to use him right. You know, I mean, I don't know if Norman has anything left. He's coming off a bad year. 
but I don't think they're going to leave him on an island. They're going to be zone heavy. You know, White is going to cover the top guy more often than not. They had a need there, and I, I kind of like that fit. I mean, it's worth the the flyer on Josh Norman, considering all they know about him. Yeah, player they're familiar with. It's a one-year, $6 million, a little bit of a show-me deal. It's like, here's some money for you. We're going to pay you, but it's a one-year contract. You don't know exactly what that's going to turn out like, but someone they're familiar with and, and might be able to uh, fit nicely there uh, in Buffalo. So Josh Norman found himself a little bit of work. Matt, let's get into this mock draft. There's one more note I want to talk about with some quarterback dollars I'm seeing thrown out there in the free agent market. Then we'll dive into Kyle Krabs' three-round mock. This is funny, just because when you see the headlines and in the same grouping of headlines, you see one that says, the Dallas Cowboys increase their offer to Dak Prescott. $30 million per year, $105 million guaranteed. Then you scroll down a little bit and you see ESPN Boston's Mike Reese expects the Patriots to offer Tom Brady a deal worth $25 million annually. And I'd still want a 43-year-old, uh, maybe a 43-year-old Tom Brady, if we're talking one-year deal or what you're getting paid for $25 million versus paying $105 million guaranteed, $33-plus million for Dak, and he's not even accepting that $33 million offer yet from the Cowboys. It's just like, man, greatest of all time. Still is getting paid less than a lot of guys, and he has for quite a while. Well, he has for quite a while, and those numbers just don't add up to me. I mean, especially when you put it in context of the last free agent we saw two whole years ago, Kirk Cousins, Got $90 million, give or take. I think it was 89 something like that. But basically $30 million a year guaranteed. If I'm Dak, first of all, I'm younger, and I want that as my starting point. I mean, and it sounds like that's about where they're at, but I think he's worth more than that. I mean, if you're going to sign Brady to a one-year deal, isn't he worth more than 25 I mean, maybe he would take that to go back home. It's more than he's made. He's not hurting for money. He's certainly not or Austin Eckler, financially speaking. But a one-year deal, well, that, that already bakes in the age. You know, I mean, it's not like you're offering him a three-year deal and we're right. going to give you less because we don't know if you'll see it. I mean, it's a one-year deal for an old dude that you know a ton about. I mean, I would think that if the Raiders, Chargers, Bucks, whomever are real Titans are really in this thing, they can do better than that. The Raiders reportedly were willing to pay Brady $30 million. And so, and, and Las that Vegas. like the going rate. Yeah. But Give you, me 30 for one year. Every starting quarterback gets $30 million too. So you better hope that you have a really good one that's worth $30 million because that can kill your cap if you're just paying a mediocre quarterback $30 million too. And the the Kirk Cousins one is interesting because there was all the guaranteed money, but it was a shorter. It was only a three-year, but the whole thing was guaranteed. And I mm-hmm. thought we might see more of that with quarterbacks, with more guarantees, maybe less cap hit number per year. So that way, like we just talked about with the Tremaine Johnson contract, that some of this stuff doesn't become funny money at the end of the deal, and they just get cut, um, and, and they don't see all of this money. And I wonder if Dak is trying to do a similar thing where maybe get more than three years and, and have it all be guaranteed at $33 million a year. And then you're talking about just a, a pretty amazing contract for a guy if you're able to do that. Because it's one thing the NFL has yet to really do is throw out a lot of guaranteed money to players and fully guaranteed contracts. And Kirk Cousins is one of the few that's ever gotten that done. So I wonder if we'll start to see that more with, with quarterbacks. And Dak Prescott may be looking at that too. Yeah, and maybe that's a Mahomes situation. There was a lot of talk, a lot of talk before he retired that Andrew Luck would get a big guaranteed deal, which would have made perfect sense at that stage of his career. 
I mean, uh, if I'm Dak, that's something I'm pushing for heavy. But back to the Brady value real quick. I mean, I'm pretty sure Breeze got like 30 million last year to return to his team at this, you know, advanced age. I mean, that that seems to me like what he should be getting. But I mean, maybe Brady will take a little less of five million of that'll go to a receiver or whatever. But I mean, a one year deal for Brady to me sounds like a thirty million dollar contract. Speaking of contracts, there there's a lot of news that we could get into, and that's a little bit of into the minutia of things. And, and who knows, Rappaport reporting that the New York Giants are not close at all to a contract extension with their defensive lineman Leonard Williams that they traded for, and uh, it's got to be at least fifteen million dollars per year is what they're talking there. And Leonard Williams, we talked about. Um, Jadavion Clowney and how he's more of a disruptor and he's not a sack collector and it's hard to put a, a dollar value on it since he was such a high draft pick might get so much money that he gets too much and Leonard Williams I think is a little bit in that where he's a really valuable player and is really good but being that he was drafted so high it's like can you pay can you pay him for his reputation you know what I mean like you end up paying right. oh, a lot absolutely. of money and then I just saw Trent Williams he's asking for a contract extension that'll pay him 20 million dollars annually we're starting to get close to quarterback money there, too. And so, I mean, this is crazy. You can't pay every player on your roster at every position group market value. The haves and have-nots, it just grows. Austin Eckler was making $600,000 last year. We're talking about paying an offensive lineman $20 million. I mean, the the financial budgets of NFL rosters is, is kind of wild. Yeah, and Leonard Williams, Clowney, and Trent Williams – they all have warts. I mean, they weren't like Khalil Mack. And Trent Williams has the fewest, except for I just haven't seen him play lately. And you're not a young man. I mean, when's my most recent tape to really judge you? Um, but uh, maybe I'm pulling back the tea leaves a little too much. But this implies to me that agents think the CBA is going to get approved and the cap's going to go up an additional $30 million, which it's rumored to do. And then you're talking about teams like the Colts and the Bills with like 120 million in cap space. You know, like uh, business is booming. Business is absolutely booming. The cap situation, what's crazy about it is if it goes up a ton, it'll actually make for fewer free agents. So less teams will be able to spend that money because all the teams will throw the franchise tags out there and try to sign their own guys. Right. So it might not be the yeah. free agent frenzy that you would expect because it'll allow teams to keep their own at the same time. And to be very honest, like this looks like an okay free agency class, even after all the tags are handed out. And I think there'll be a lot, you know, even some borderline dudes like Judon and Bud Dupree. I mean, not no brainers. Um, but even after that, teams are going to have a hard time spending, you know, like you can't just give it away. I mean, I would think, you know, to take it back to my team, if you had a ton of room, you give it to TJ Watt, you know what I mean? Like, your guys that are soon to be free agents, extend them now as opposed to going shopping at the, instead of the dollar store, it's like the thousand dollar store. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it'll really help some of those good teams that uh, are up against the cap already that want to keep some of their mm -hmm. own guys. And they'll have a chance to do that if the cap goes up rather than, you know, needing to make some really tough, hard decisions on some players. Um, I do want to get into this mock draft. If you have anything else news wise you want to get into, otherwise, uh, Last thing I just want to throw okay. out there, because we were talking like Brady Breeze contracts. If Rivers does go to the Colts, what are you paying him? I mean, at most, I'm giving him a two-year deal, 25. I mean, I don't know if that ends well. I, I'm not buying on Rivers, but I, I, it's just a different – that's probably a whole show in itself. But <laughs> I wonder what those numbers are. No, that's a great point. And I think that you can play a little bit of hardball with Rivers because he's not going to play for nothing, obviously. But you can be like, look – 
realistically, who, who else is going to sign you? So, mm-hmm. come on. You want to play. We're a good team. It's a good fit. Let's go. Here's a number. I don't think it's going to be a crazy number, and I think it's probably going to be lower than whatever Brady even gets, and Brady's going to be lower than some of these other numbers we've seen thrown out there. Yeah, I think you're probably right when it's all said and done. It's a 22 million guaranteed one-year deal or something like that. It's crazy how at the end of Philip Rivers' career he is, and he's, is he five, four years younger still than Tom Brady? Is he really? Right, 38 versus 42, I think, is what ages they played last year. So four years, that's kind of wild. Yeah. That is kind of wild. Tom Brady, I mean, I mean, Tom Brady's doing something. It, just the fact that he's going to play NFL football, period, next year, even if he was a kicker at age 43, is impressive. To be a quarterback playing at the level he's still playing at, where teams who just went to the Super Bowl would even be pondering bringing in a 43-year-old quarterback as potentially an upgrade is, I mean, that tells you all you need to know about the gold jacket he's going to wear. Yeah, I mean, sitting here thinking about it, Eli Ben Rivers class, they seem ancient right now. You right. know, Eli's probably done. Who knows where Ben is? Rivers coming off a down year, like, and Brady's four or five years older than them. It's crazy. It's it's absolutely insane what Brady's been able to do and and how long he's been able to do it. How well would Eli be playing four years from now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, not well. It, it's it's amazing. It is amazing, but it's also you starting to see it because you are actually starting to see teams that for the first time in twenty years at least have to think about it, they're like, well, we actually still might like our current situation better than Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. And this is kind of the first we've ever even experienced a team being able to say that because most other teams, if Brady would have ever hit the free agent market before this offseason, it would be like, oh, yes, every single team wants him at whatever they can do to get him. Right, right. No, you're 100%, 100% on the on point there. All right, mock draft, Kyle Krabs, his sixth mock draft of the season Three rounds. Let's get into this thing coming up. Kyle starts his sixth mock draft. And this this one thing I love about the draft network is that they're already on their sixth mock drafts. A lot of places are on their first, their second mock drafts. These guys have been writing reports all summer long, even before the 2019 season started. Then going back over the 2019 film on all of these prospects. They've been doing mocks for months and looking at this draft class. So they're in a great place to really have an idea of who these prospects are and we've had a chance to watch this evolve over the course of this season now we're on kyle's sixth mock draft and by the way the draft network drops a brand new fresh mock from one of their analysts every monday and we break them down here pretty much every monday now and we will up until draft day on april 23rd it starts off just like about every other mock draft that we see joe burrow one to the Bengals, chase young Two to the Redskins, but what I'm starting to see a trend in Matt a lot more often now in these mocks. It went from okay, there's no trades in any mocks. Lions take Jeffrey Okuda three. Then it went okay, obviously pick three. Someone's going to trade in there. That's Tua. So every mock we saw was Dolphins trade up to three, Panthers trade up to three, whatever. Some team trades up to three. Now we're seeing for some reason post combine. Seems to be a little bit of a cooling effect on those trades and those quarterbacks to where maybe it's because Herbert made other teams comfortable with him that they don't have to make a trade for Tua. But now we're seeing fewer trades into that three spot. And now we're seeing Jeffrey Akuda back in there in this mock draft to number three at the Lions. Yeah, and I think that could happen. Um, I do think you're right. I, I agree. Those trends are definitely occurring across the internet right now. And I think part of it is Tua didn't, 
you know, leap off the page as healthy. He's competing with Burrow for one, like some might have expected, and that might still come. There's a lot of buzz around Herbert. There's good, we know there's going to be a lot of quarterback movement before this draft ever takes place. But history has shown that these guys all go high, and I will still stand on my soapbox that three might go in the top six or seven. Um, four might go in the top 10. I, I think they're going to go earlier than this mock has them, but I understand doing it the other way as it stands. Now, what I think is interesting, and it really goes back to our last conversation, is at this point in the draft, he has Becton as the first tackle going off the board, six to the Chargers, even though Herbert was available for LA, and then the Colts trade to seven and get Herbert. You know, we were just talking about those teams. So I'm... Um, he apparently agrees with me that the veteran will be in place for the Chargers. And then he li- he lists their tackles here. Sam Tevy, Trey Pipkins, Trent Scott is their current <laughs> group of tackles. So that kind of tells you something. I mean, Trey Pipkins, that's a it's a Pro Bowl name, but I don't think he's a Pro Bowl <laughs> left tackle for you. So, yeah, and, and just looks like the way that the Chargers offseason is going, that they're eyeing offensive tackle hard at the sixth pick, and they'll have their choice of a really good one, and that's pretty mm-hmm. well guaranteed. Maybe they're trying to throw some people off their scent, but that would that seems to be the way that it's going for the Chargers and makes some sense. And if you're the Miami Dolphins, and this is where my mind goes with this draft season, because I think there's a lot of schadenfreude that goes on here and smoke screens. And I think the Dolphins have played this perfectly. And whatever, whatever noise they made at the combine, whatever, whatever ideas they're sending around through the media and to other teams is working. Because if you want Tua to fall at five and off to trade up to get him. This is exactly the plan that they're putting in place, and we're starting to see it if they're if that is indeed what they're doing. I hear you. Uh, if we set the over under on two a draft position at four and a half, I'm going under. Four and a half. You're going under. So two is going before pick five in your mind. I think so. Yes, I'll I still I put I, a buck on that right now. I still believe that that's the way it's going to go, but I think that the Dolphins are trying to at least play the game and make it make life a little oh, bit yeah. easier for themselves here, which which would make sense, which would be, uh, and, and we kind of just gloss right over this, but the Colts, a big trade. This was the first quarterback trade, and it was the Colts moving up to seven with the Panthers to grab Justin Herbert. How do you feel about that pick? I, I got no problem with it. I think Herbert's a value at seven. You know, you wouldn't have to go insane to get up that far. But I think in the end, the Colts are going to sign Rivers, you know, watch and monitor and develop Brissett put it go all in with like Jerry Judy is their pick and maybe sign a clowny and try to make a run. I, I think quarterbacks not this year's project long term. New York Giants at four, by the way, not going offensive tackle, which is what you see in, in almost every other mock draft. They have um Isaiah Simmons linebacker here going, which I see Isaiah Simmons is going to go high. No offensive tackle to the Giants though. Can they kick that can down the road at offensive tackle as awesome as a prospect as Isaiah Simmons is? Um, I don't know that you can go wrong with either. I mean, a, a, a great rangy prospect on defense behind big defensive tackles like Simmons makes perfect sense. I would probably lean towards a tackle considering you just invested so much in Jones and the offense looks close on paper and paved the way for Barkley. I would probably go tackle there, but I I, I see what he's doing here, and, and Simmons really stands alone as a, a prospect that there's no one else really like him. 
C.J. Henderson corner to the Jaguars, and they need a cornerback. So, I mean, obviously there's Bad. a fit there. you got Worse falling to the Browns at 10. Jedrick Wills falling to the Jets at 11. I think those are nice values for where those teams are to be able to sit back and draft one of those top tackles. Henry Ruggs to the Raiders at 12. Derek Brown at 13 after trading down. A lot of mocks have him going seven anyway. And with Matt Rule's Panthers looking like they're going to go into rebuilding mode, I like the trade down. I like adding more picks. They still get the same value of player they would have gotten at seven if you're not looking for a quarterback. And then Buccaneers, offensive tackle at 14, Andrew Thomas, which is, is uh, I think, a fine value. And even better value might be Jerry Judy, the Broncos at 15. Yeah, and then even Kinlaw at 16, we see this huge run of value positions you know tackles wide receivers a corner in there um interior d line you know the the top guys at positions that are going to get paid heavily in free agency and strengths of the draft and that makes perfect sense and you know that first 16 it wouldn't blow me away i mean of course he's not gonna get all the players right but they might be the first 16 players taken i mean i think there's a good chance that happens that's exactly what i was thinking the four tackles the three wide receivers lamb went number eight to uh to the cardinals and i still think the cardinals yeah. are going to tackle over wide receiver there but that's just me but yeah the, that's the position those two defensive tackles the four offensive tackles the three quarterbacks the three wide receivers that top 16 is a really solid group, and you feel pretty good if you're one of those teams in a position to draft a really good player, no matter which position it is, and we'll see how those players all file in together. And then... And after- I think Henderson's now in that group, too. You know, they have him at Jags yes, at nine, yeah. you know, especially because he's a corner. I think he's in the top half of the first round. I think most teams will feel pretty good about C.J. Henderson, yeah. absolutely, in, in that top group. But then... That, after- I think it's foggy. After 16, you get to 17. This, now, this is horrible value, I think, to the Cowboys. Right, Xavier right, McKinney, exactly. he just ran a 4-6 at the Combine. He's a nice safety, and he could, he can play a little strong safety, a little free safety. I like him better at strong safety, but he didn't show crazy athleticism at the Combine. To draft a safety in the middle of round one, pick 17 is the same place Derwin James went. Xavier McKinney is nowhere near on par no. prospect what... Um, what Derwin James was. So this is where that first 16 picks, you love the values. You don't like the value as much as 17 here. No. And and really I'm scrolling through all these picks here, the next five, six, seven and thinking, boy, none of them are my going, boy, great pick, great value, you know, a way to really boost yourself. <laughs> it, it is kind of a, I don't want to say it's a dead spot, but a little bit consider as round ones go historically, there are some interesting names here I wanted to bring up, though, too. I know we're getting short on time. That I think that's one of the most interesting things of this mock is he has guys like Jeff Gladney going in the first round, Cesar Ruiz going to the Patriots, um, Josh Jones. That one wouldn't shock me. Zach Bond, Lucas Nyang. You know, like yeah. a lot of dudes, Noah Igabubba, something, something from Auburn. <laughs> You know, like a lot of guys I know that look like second rounders to me, he has in the first round, which makes me think that once you get 16, the next 40 guys probably aren't all that different. And you often see drafts that way. T Higgins at 22 to the Bills yeah. as the fourth wide receiver off the board, which is an interesting one. We still haven't seen him work out yet. We'll find out at Clemson's Pro Day how he runs, which I think will help him. But he's gotten lost in this wide receiver class with how great some other players ran like Denzel Mims, who was the fifth wide receiver, went 30 to the Packers. And then there was another trade. And this was 
the Chargers coming back up to get a long-term quarterback, potentially trading up to 31 with the 49ers. I like this for the 49ers, and I like it for the Chargers. Jordan Love at 31 to L.A. If the Chargers could enter, you know, get out of this draft with their tackle of choice and Jordan Love and nothing else. I mean, if they've got two players in this draft, the beginning of the first round, the end of the second or first round, they should do cartwheels and already have a Winston or a Newton or a Brady or somebody like that in the building. Wow, that would be tremendous. Um, we haven't talked about this much, but I'm sure you have on your show. The Niners are an extreme um, po- you know, po- probable trade out around one type of team. You know, they're, they're short on day two picks. They, they could use a, an extra one here and there. Yeah, getting a second and third, I mean, that's a no-brainer for the 49ers as yeah. they currently stand. They might There's talk of maybe a tag and trade of Eric Armstead in that case. Maybe they wouldn't feel the need to trade as much if they were able to add a day-two pick there before the draft starts. But at this point, with no second, third, or fourth rounder trading down, seems like a near certainty for the 49ers if they're able to get that offer and someone that we did not expect at all doesn't fall to them. Some fallers that we have seen in past drafts in round one that were not in round one here. AJ Epinesa goes 35 to the Lions. It seems like he is actually uh, absolutely a, a post-combine faller. And all of the running backs fell out Yeah, I want to talk about one. the running backs. Yeah, yeah. and uh, J.K. I mean, Dobbins went to the Dolphins at 39. You have the... That's all the way to 50. Yeah, the, the Ravens, DeAndre Swift at 50, and then... Jonathan Taylor, who blew up the combine to the Bills at 54. And Edwards Hilaire is right after him at 55. You know, like, I do think the round two will be good spots for running backs. And it's something I've studied heavily because I really think the Steelers have a chance to take one at 49. But if 49 rolls around and Dobbins is the only back off the board, I think Steeler fans would be pretty darn happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I just don't think it's going to go that way. I just think Swift and... Taylor Swift are just too good at prospects. I mean, you think the Bills would be happy to take Jonathan Taylor at 54? Holy smoke. I mean, yeah. It, it, I think the, the number one reason why running backs traditionally and this year especially won't fall too far is because of what we just talked about. There's that group of 16 prospects right now uh-huh. that consensus says, man, you feel really good being able to draft one of these 16. After that, you're an NFL team. Put yourself in that draft room. You're looking at the draft board and your grade, positional value be damned, your grade on this running back is better than anybody else in the draft. And you've got a running back up there, whether it's Swift or Dobbins or Taylor. And you're like, well, this is our highest graded player. We're at the end of the first round. Are we going to pass on the highest graded player to draft this other position that we don't think is as good? So that's why I think end of round one, we're going to start to see a run on some running backs just because they're going to be the highest graded players on their board because they're really good prospects, even though running back is not the positional value of, say, the next tier of quarterback or corners or you know wide receivers or whatever. That's why it's hard for me to believe that they fall this far down into the 50s. Yeah, and a lot of people had the Dolphins with their last third-round pick going running back. I don't like that because I would add a running back later in the process in terms of rebuilding, like next year. You know, I would just, uh, I would just keep getting linemen in in positions of bigger need. But like the Ravens here, he has Swift going fifty and trading up to get him. I think they may be a perfect example of what you were just describing of. The first round sitting there and Swift and Taylor are available and you're the Ravens in win now mode and you just take the best player on the board. I mean, like Daniel Jeremiah had Swift go into the Ravens in round one, a team that he's used to work for. 
just because they take the best guy on the board. So I, I don't think they will fall, especially Taylor Swift. And one other note of while they could, we talked a little bit about the Bucks. The Bucks is 45. They end up with Jacob Eason, which would be hard for them to pass on. I'm sure Arians have a tough time passing there. But they're maybe the most running back needy team in the league. And in this mock, they go tackle quarterback, which would make a ton of sense, too. I mean, Bucks fans would be very happy with that. That's a great point. Yeah. And so there's just too many places where one of these running backs could get thrown in there. And I'm definitely an anti first round running back, but the league is not, we've learned. And so I think those guys are going to go, but you can find the whole thing from Kyle Krabs at the draft network. You can find this show and all of the programs on the locked on podcast network on all of your favorite podcast apps, including the draft dudes draft podcast, which features Kyle Krabs. And we'll be back again right here tomorrow, Locked on NFL.